Well, good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Excellent. I'm so glad that y'all are here. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and I am the lead pastor here. As I said before, I'm excited to be here because I, I enjoy being able to come uh, and be in the middle of worship and, and to celebrate a service of worship. If you're new here, uh, welcome to you, a special welcome. I want you to know that you are welcome here, that we are excited that you are here, and we hope that in this community of faith that you will find uh, a true home, that we will find a, a group of people that are not perfect, that are trying to be more like Jesus each and every day, and where we, we meet people where they are, and we try to take our next steps on, on our spiritual journey together so that we can be more like Jesus each and every day. There was this guy named John Wesley, kind of a fan of him, and he talked about the path to perfection, that we're on the road to being more like Jesus each and every day. And, and that's why we gather together so that we can, we can get built up in that, so that we can celebrate who God is and what God is doing in and through us. If you're joining us online or if you're joining us via podcast, special welcome to you as well. I'm excited that we are all here together. We've been on this sermon series called The Plus Side, and what we've been talking about is how we move our faith, our very lives, to the plus side. And we started by talking about prayer, that prayer is key in a believer's life because prayer unites God's people and unleashes God's Spirit, so that we can be present with one another and pray for one another, but not just for ourselves, so, but so that we can impact the world around us for God. And then the second week, we talked about worship, that worship is not a location, it's a lifestyle, that we live out a life of worship, celebrating the, the living God each and every day. And, and we talked about how that moves us to be living sacrifices and then the next week, we talked about what sacrifice was all about and, and the fact that we are able to give over our very selves to God. And, and to follow God is crazy. It's like following somebody that said, hey, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross and follow me. And so how do we, how do we live that out is what we're going to talk about today. And I think it's key for us to do that by living thankfully. So we're going to talk about moving our lives to the plus side. How do we do all the stuff that we talked about? How do, how does that, what does that look like in our lives? And I think, honestly, what it looks like is it looks like us getting noticed. Not noticed for the wrong things, because far too frequently in my life, I get noticed for the wrong things. Maybe you've had an experience, well, probably not an experience like this, but maybe you've had an experience of that. So I, when I was a kid, like 10 years old, my grandfather uh, lived in Pasadena, Texas, and he had an acre in the back, uh, we called it the back pasture, uh, and he had turned that, uh, he used to have livestock, horses, all that kind of stuff where we grew up in Texas, so, you know, it's kind of the thing. Um, but he had a, a shed in the back, and what he did is he turned that into a place where he would work on his Model A's. So he would collect Model A's, and he would get them when they were gross looking, and he would restore them to show quality. Actually, he's got a couple of patents for Model A uh, parts that have been remanufactured. I, you know, it's pretty cool stuff. But at 10, it wasn't so cool. And so while he was in the shed, when I would go to visit, I was left to my own devices. And that, if you know anything about me, 
you probably already know that that is a bad idea for me to be able to do whatever I want. And I had an acre of land and my grandfather had decided he's not going to mow the grass anymore. He's just going to have the neighbor have his goats come into his yards for years. I thought they were my grandfather's goats, uh, but instead they were my neighbor, my grandfather's neighbor's goats. They would come in and they would eat the grass down. And so it was a win-win for my grandfather. He didn't have to buy the goats and he didn't have to mow the grass. He just had to let them come into his yard and they would eat the grass down. Well, as a 10-year-old boy whose heroes were people like the Lone Ranger and Jim West, uh, there are a few of you who know who Jim West is, and I'm not talking about Will Smith because he just got it all wrong, but the Wild Wild West was a, a great TV show. Anyway, Jim West was kind of like James Bond in the Old West. Uh, and so I, I took it upon myself to, to live out these action adventures, and one of the things that I had decided was, I'm going to teach myself how to lasso. I have a rope, there's some goats, I'm going to get them. So yeah, some of y'all already know this is going downhill quick. Uh, well, oddly enough, I learned two things. One, I am not good at lassoing, and two, goats are smarter than I was giving them credit for. Uh, so they move when you throw the lasso. It's, they're like, nope. You know, and you're sitting there, and, and while they look cute, they're really evil. Uh, I, I, I'm not kidding. Uh, they're, they're wicked, evil. Now I know why, why Satan is represented by a goat. Anyway, that's totally different. So what happened was I decided after, after it, in my memory, it's like two hours. It was honestly probably more like 15 minutes because I had a very short attention span, uh, unlike now. And so I, I, was, I decided, hey, I know how I'm going to catch these goats. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab some of the tree branches because they loved to eat the leaves. So I broke a whole bunch of tree branches down and I, I, I set them in a pile. And oddly enough, the goats came. And, and I was only like three feet. And at three feet, you can pretty much lasso whatever you want. And so at three feet away, I'm standing there and I lasso a goat. And it, it made it around his neck. It was probably the second time I threw it because the first time it didn't go well. But it made it around his neck. And then I, I made the biggest mistake of the day. I pulled it tight. And so the goat knew he had been got. And the goat decided it was time to leave. And I had, like a genius, wrapped the rope around my hand. And so the goat takes off running, and soon I take off after the goat. And I'm being dragged behind the goat, yelling and screaming, and the goat heads straight for the fence. But the goat knows something about the fence that I am not aware of. At the bottom of the fence is a livestock electric fence. So the goat takes a hard left turn, and Steve keeps going forward, rolling into the electric fence, yelling and screaming like I'm being murdered, and then I get electrocuted, and so the real screaming begins. <laughs> so I'm trying to get out of it. My grandfather comes out of the barn where he's been trying to work on a car, and he's like, what's all the ruckus? And then he saw what was going on, and he just started laughing so hard, he fell over. So um, it was... I'm sure it was a great sight. I was uh, un unimpressed by his response. He should have come and rescued. Anyway, so here's the deal. I I'm, I'm getting out of this, but we've all had scenarios where we make uh, a scene for the wrong reasons. What, right now, there's a YouTube channel that, that has folks 
just texting on their phone and falling into fountains. This, the whole channel is dedicated to people who fall into fountains while they text on their phone. My favorite is when it's really cold outside and they're wearing a big winter coat and then they fall in the fountain. And you're like, now what are you going to do? I don't know, but it's bad to get recognized for the wrong reasons. Sometimes we can get recognized for the right reasons. On social media for about a year now has been this idea of hashtag trash tag. Uh, this is where people go out and they find these areas that are just gross. And they spend some time, they take a before picture and then they clean it all up and they take an after picture so that they, they get some social media credit. And people are loving it and they post it on hashtag trash tag. And people are like, oh, that's cool. So sometimes we can get recognized for the right reasons. Most of the time in my life, I've been recognized for the wrong reasons. But my question for us today is, how many Christians do you know that are being recognized for the right reasons. Because far too frequently, I think we get recognized for all the wrong reasons. We have pastors that are dealing with sexual immorality. We have pastors that are, are misappropriating money. We have pastors that are saying dumb things. We have pastors that use the Bible as a weapon rather than the grace-filled message that it is. And we have People that do the same exact things. One of my, one of my all-time favorite bad examples is I had a student named Ryan. Uh, Alex, actually, my son is here. He didn't want me to do this, but my son is up here. Y'all make sure and say hi to him later. Uh, anyway, um, he's very excited at the moment. Uh, I'm probably going to have to pay for this later. Uh, so he, he, Ryan worked at Steak and Shake. And Ryan was trying to go to Vanderbilt, uh, had been accepted to Vanderbilt with his grades. His parents didn't have a whole lot of money, and so he had, had a scholarship to Vanderbilt. And he's trying, over the course of a couple of years, working at Steak and Shake, trying to, to build up a college fund so that he can attend Vanderbilt instead of just going out there and, and scraping to get by, that he would have some money. And he, so he's working at Steak and Shake, and he goes to a table after a family has left, and, and there were a lot of people in the family, and he goes to the table, and he sees a $100 bill. And he gets so excited until he grabs it and realizes it's not a real $100 bill. It's a tract saying, again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to get through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Invest in Jesus Christ. He will never forsake you. Now, I want to ask you seriously, if you are a server is that a blessing to you, or is that really just something that, that seems like that's kind of being rude and, and ungrace-filled? Because not only did you not give them a tip, and I'm sure the person that did this did this with a great intention that they wanted to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, but that doesn't come across as good news to a high school student trying to save for college. And so how do we move from getting noticed for the wrong things to getting noticed for the right things. What does that look like? I, I want to preface here, sometimes society isn't going to enjoy it when Christians are really serious about Jesus. They're going to they're gonna draw back. They're going to find fault. They're going to do things like that, and it will get us noticed. That's not being noticed for the wrong thing. That's being noticed for the right things. And sometimes when we get noticed for the right things, it's because we are loving our neighbors and our friends and our families the ways that Jesus wants us to. And we're also loving our strangers and our enemies as, as we have already been loved. And there's this guy in the, old, in the New Testament named Paul. 
Now, Paul was a follower of the resurrected Christ. He had this experience with Jesus where uh, when, he, uh, when he was persecuting the church, Jesus showed up to him, and it changed everything for Paul. Paul Paul's entire life was changed by that single event, and he spent the rest of his life working to build churches in different areas of the world. And so he went to all these different places, and the way Paul would do this is he would roll into a town, uh, that's not in the scripture. I just threw roll in because I'm cool. Uh, he would head into town or go into town. And what would happen is he would go to the synagogue. And the synagogue was a place where the Jewish believers, people who believed in Yahweh, would gather and talk about the, the scriptures, the holy scriptures, the Torah, uh, and, and, and what it meant for their lives. And Paul would start there. In every town, he would go and he would uh, explain how Jesus was the fulfillment of the messianic prophecies that are in their book of worship. And, and so what would then, uh, people would start to believe in who Jesus was. Not everybody, right? It wasn't the entire world set ablaze for Jesus in, in one minute. But while he was there, he would have this opportunity. Well, one time he was in this town called Thessalonica. It's cool to say, if you really are like, I want to say something fun today, Thessalonica is a fun word, uh, but it's a town that Paul went to, and Paul had gone to the synagogue, some people believed, and then one of the folks from the synagogue named Jason invited Paul back to his house. Well, not everybody was excited about this message. As a matter of fact, they, they were offended by what Paul was saying, and so they wanted to get Paul out of town, so the Bible says that they went and they got some bad characters. They got me and all my high school friends when I was in high school, and they, they set them on a mission to, to make a difference in the world, uh, to make a difference in this town. And so they really kind of built up a riot and, and turned them loose on the town. And, and so if you have your Bibles with you, or if you have your Bibles on your phone or your iPad, whatever, uh, we're going to be in Acts, the cha 17th chapter of Acts. If you don't have a Bible Today, I just wanted to say right outside these doors, we, we make Bibles available to you. You don't have to sign up for anything. Just walk out the doors and on the right or on the left is a Bible. Just grab it and go and nobody's going to ask. We want you to be in the Word because we believe that the Bible is a revelation of who God is um, through history and we're able to see what God is doing. So for our purposes, we are in Thessalonica with this guy named Paul as he has gone to Jason's house. Now, he leaves Jason's house to go and meet with other believers, and here is what happens. But when they did not find them, this being that group of bad characters, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials shouting, these men have caused trouble all over the world, and they have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. And when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. That is being noticed for the right reasons. There, there's no, there's no, I mean, they're not going in, they're not throwing over the apple cart, they're not beating people to death with the Bible, they're not hitting them with holy two-by-fours. He's walking in and, and teaching that the Messiah is the, that Jesus is the Messiah, the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament, and trying to get people on board with what that is and what that means. And then he's starting a church with the people that believe. This is not going in and trying to force feed others scripture that are not where you are. 
This is, this is what Paul was doing. And so it, it behooves us, I just like saying behooves, uh, to, to figure out what, what Paul really did. What did Paul do to make a difference in their lives? How did Paul go about sharing the good news, not the mediocre news, not the halfway okay news, but the good news of who Jesus is? And so a little bit further down in Acts chapter 17, we're going to read from verse 22 to 25, and I'll get there in just a second because I need to set it up. Uh, Paul has gone from Thessalonica. He goes to the city, you may have heard of it, called Athens. And while he's in Athens, he walks through the town and he gets offended by the number of statues of, of religious relics that they have. They have statues to every god known to me. Every god, they, they were a hugely religious city. Uh, and, and so Paul is walking through town and he sees all of these statues, all of these idols to a foreign god. Now, Paul is a good Jew. Before he started following Jesus, he was a Pharisee. So he taught all of the things that, that the teachers of the law taught at the time. And Paul was a great student. And so Paul knows he knows for a fact that it says in the, in the Old Testament, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall have no other gods before me. Right? So we have one God, and there shall be no other idols, nothing. And so Paul is offended by their false religion, their, their religion that, that he sees that's there. Now, he could, he could use that as a weapon. He could say, you know what, guys? You guys need to stop with all this idol worship because God wants you not to do that. But instead, he takes a different track. The Bible says he was invited to the Areopagus, the Areopagus is another fun word to say, but it was a gathering of the men of Athens that would sit around, and the Bible is not very complimentary about this, they would sit around and discuss the new thought of the day. This is what they did for a living. They would get, basically, they were philosophers. We still give philosophers a hard time because they just sit around and think about stuff, right? That'd be a great gig if you can get it. Um, but if, that's, that's all they're doing is sitting around and they're discussing the new ideas. And so they get wind of Paul's new teaching, this teaching of resurrection, uh, of life after death, and, and this Jesus. And so they invite him there. Now, Paul can go into the Areopagus and be like, you guys are all wrong, and hit them with the holy two-by-four of righteousness. Uh, I'm going to actually get that tattooed on my arm. Uh, not at all. But it's this idea that Paul, Paul can, he, he knows that they are in the wrong, and he can come in and speak to them about that. But listen to what he does instead. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life, breath, and everything else. Paul took time to get to know the Athenians. Now, they were super religious. They had altars and idols to everybody, and they were so afraid that they would miss one that they 
put an altar to the unknown God. I mean, this is real stuff. They had an altar that said to an unknown God, because just in case, we don't want them to get mad and wipe out Athens. So we're going we're gonna to do everything. Uh, and, and so Paul uses what he has learned about them. So he takes time to get to know them and to go into relationship with them, not using it as a weapon against them, but instead using it to meet them where they are and help them take a next step. That's what Paul did. He met them where they were in the brokenness of idol worship and shared with them the gift that God has given through Jesus Christ. That's exactly what I think a thankful life looks like. That's what a life that is moved to the plus side really means because the truth is living thankfully means making a difference for Jesus. Living, thankfully, means making a difference for Jesus. We're, we're, we're a gracious people because God has been gracious to us. We're a loving people because we have received love from God first. We are a thankful people because we have received from God the greatest gift ever given, life and life eternal in Jesus Christ. And yet far too frequently, we step back from that and we preserve what we like versus sacrificing our own desires on the altar of Christ. We preserve what we want uh, rather than sacrificing ourselves for others. We preserve just enough for ourselves rather than giving everything over to God. And, and I'm not, this isn't me talking to you. I, when I was working through this sermon, I stopped at this point and I was like, God, are you really talking to me now? And, and they're just listening uh, because I, I feel convicted by this just like my guess is you do as well. Now here at Cassidy, we take this seriously. We are serious about making a difference in the world, not just in this building, but making a difference in the world around us by, by being meaningfully engaged in the world, by loving people where they are, and by making a difference. I mean, here in, in just this building, we're, we're, we're serious about that, but we go outside the walls of this building to make that difference. God is making a difference in the world through Cassidy. And that's a great joy for me to be a part of. I mean, I, just inside the building, we have things like this. We have hospitality. We have folks that get here so that they can make hot, piping hot coffee um, and, and provide donuts and cut the donuts so that they're in the right shape. And I, I thought round donuts were in the right shape, but you know, whatever it takes <laughs> to make everybody, to, make, to, to bring everybody to a place where they can, they can enjoy themselves so that they can feel welcome by our hospitality team. I stand out front greeting folks. People are handing out bulletins. They're, they're, and, and a lot of times people can be like, well, I don't do very much. And sometimes that is what you need to be doing because it will make a difference in their lives. We, we have folks back on the tech uh, in the tech booth, and they get here, they come in on Thursday nights. They're in here trying to trying to keep up with what we're doing. Uh, I, you guys haven't seen my message, but it's just kind of highlighted, and so it's not. I don't work from a script. 
I, I work from an outline, and so they're just guessing when the stuff is supposed to be up there. So they, they do a, a great job, and, and they're here, and they're dedicated. We have folks that are doing children's ministry because we believe that we need our children to know about the crazy love of Jesus Christ. We have youth ministry, folks that are volunteering in youth ministry. Not enough in children's or youth, so if you're like, well, I don't have anything to do, hear me. We would love to have you come and hang out with us. So these are ways that we're making a difference in the building, and that's not where we draw the line. Then we go outside of the doors, and we do things like going to the least of these food pantry and serve once a month and, and providing food over there all the time. We, we, carry, we have uh, events where we're, we're gathering food for them. Or when we go and pack backpacks, I don't know if you know this or not, but we pack over 250 backpacks every single week. Well, except for this week. We're not going to do that this week. But uh, every single week, except for when there's a holiday and when it's summertime, for students to have food that goes home with them uh, over the weekend so that they can eat. So folks that have, have financial struggles can still feed their kids over the weekend. It's uh, our Care to Learn ministry, and we pretty much run that. We have more volunteers at that location than anything, any, anyone else, and, and it's a joy to go and be a part of it. Uh, we, we also do things like West Elementary Reading Buddies. I don't know if, if you have heard about this or not, but we get together and we spend half an hour every week reading with a student at West Elementary. It's not the same student because that would be a whole lot of people reading <laughs> with the same student, but different students so we can make a difference in their lives. Now, here's the deal. All of those things might seem like, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's not that much effort. I don't, you know, I don't work too hard at it, but it can make a powerful difference in the lives of each and every one of them, whether it's hospitality, kids ministry, or actually serving outside. It can make a, a life change for these people, for us as well. Now, I don't know if it's maybe you that needs the life change by serving others, or if it's the person that's going to receive the gift that's going to be changing their lives. Whatever it is, God is making a difference through Cassidy. And all of these things, again, can seem like they're not that big a deal, but they are profoundly powerful. And here's why. When we do something normally, it, it doesn't last very long. Here's a great example. I bought a car, and I bought it used, but man, it was new to me, and I was excited about it. Uh, now it's uh, got 182,000 miles on it, and it's not all that cool. It's not going to last too much longer. So if you're in the market for giving me a truck, let me know. Um, <laughs> it's not going to last too much longer. But when I got it, I was super excited about it. It doesn't last. Things don't last. But when we do things for Jesus, they echo into eternity. Forever the kingdom will be changed because of the things that we do for Jesus Christ. Amen? forever. Not, not many things that we can do that, that are going to last forever. But when we build, put one small brick into the kingdom of heaven, it makes a profound difference. And that's what life on the plus side is all about. On the plus side, living thankfully is being selfless, not selfish. It's turning yourself over to God and allowing God to do something through you. And we have another opportunity, as you heard earlier today, to do just that. Thanksgiving is a great day to spend with family, so this is not me guilting you into this. I don't want you to hear any guilt in this at all. But if you feel that you could spend a little bit of time up here at church, we open the doors of our facility. We feed uh, first responders 
Thanksgiving dinner, turkey, ham, all the fixins, we take them to them. We, we offer folks a, a table, a place to come and celebrate Thanksgiving with their family if they don't have a kitchen that they can prepare Thanksgiving meals in. We offer this for our own community as well. Come and spend Thanksgiving, have a Thanksgiving meal with us, but then stick around and get to know the other folks in the community because that's what Paul did, and that's the way that we can grow in relationships so that we can share the good news. Because only by having a relationship do you have the potential of sharing a life-changing conversation. Gone are the days when tracks are going to make a difference in the life of somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus. Gone are the days when billboards are going to cause you to swerve off the road so that you can call and say, I need Jesus right now. I, 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 now, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but relationships are going to be the most powerful way that we have to speak life and truth, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone we come in contact with. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift.